Welcome to Sonic Talk number 323. Looks like a number that should somehow be relevant. I'm sure Mark, our numbers man, will have some sort of relevance to it. 3 plus 2 plus 3 is 8. I'm sorry to those. I was just having a bit of streaming issues. For some reason, the main computer here. I've had nothing but computer problems this week. And this is just a continuation, though. It's jumped to a different machine. So I'm terribly sorry if if you're trying to watch the live stream. You'll have to wait till this is up on YouTube, because hopefully... This, at least that part appears to be working, and there seems to be audio going into it, so I can only assume that, uh, that that's working, although the audio seems to be... Anyway, I'm just going to stop rambling and say hello to my guests and thank them for joining me this uh, sunny day. It's not as hot as it has been, but we'll say hello to Dave Spears. Hello. How are you there? It's still hot. <laughs> G4 Software. <laughs> Dave Spears, g4software.com. Yes, uh, yes, I'm all right, thank you. Yes, good. A bit, a bit phased. I'm sorry. I'm going to be fairly rubbish today because we've been pressing ahead with releasing some of the 64-bit stuff. So ah, so you've been kind of busy doing your um, doing yes. your day job. Yes. Oh well, congratulations, and I hope it's going well. Is that why you've got a smart shirt on? Uh, no. So you can look like you actually, uh, you're not sitting in your, in your back bedroom in your pants, like, <laughs> like I do. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, Dave, uh, thank you very much for joining us, uh, g4software.com. And we've also got uh, over there, uh, Mark Tinley. Hello. Likebeing.com, also a member of um, the, um, oh, no, nah, that's got me. I was starting on that sentence. I felt so confident going into it. TVManiaMusic.com. TV Thank you very much. Yes, we're all discombobulated. I have no idea what's going on with that at the moment, though, so... Okay. I am a member. So you could, you could, I think you should announce me as also a member of Array. Array. The band okay. I'm doing with Robin Stewart, the other autistic person who I know, or person with Asperger's okay. that I know. Excellent. All right, that sounds cool. Thank you very much. Anyway, we're here. Uh, this week, um, the, the weather's broken a little bit. Uh, it's been very hot for like three weeks in the UK. Although I, had, I, I just want a note of caution before I start. Um, uh, my main streaming machine or my mainstream recording machine was a Mac Mini and the drive went down. And I thought, oh, no problem. Uh, I'll try and get the drive going. But, you know, I couldn't. I thought, that's uh, no problem. So... Uh, I'll just go to the one of the disc images I made of it when I got it working as I wanted. Disc image failed to mount. No, no file system found. But the thing is, I've since discovered that um, this is the case on pretty much all of the disc images I've made on any machine to any drive. So if anybody's relying on compressed image disc images to uh, as a backup, please do check it out because I've found that I because I immediately went right I'm going to go and back up my my other laptop now because I just want to make sure that it's okay and um, it was not it didn't what, I, what I, application I, are you using well I'm just using the standard I, well I've tried t- several things I've tried uh, a standard uh, you know the disk utility to create a, di- yeah. a disk image you think that would work these are big drives this, I've got 750 internal in this one waited ages and ages for it to come back online and then it wouldn't verify same problem no no file system found in it and this is across several different computers onto several different drives 
use it. You know, it's not. There's no commonality to it apart from the fact that it's a compressed disc, disc image. So if you are on OSX and um, that might be an issue for you, you should definitely check that. And if not, find perhaps another way. Because I, I, I don't know whether it's because most of my machines are on 10.6.8. Uh, this Mac is on 10. Point, uh, what's this one? Oops, no, I don't want to do a software update. This one is on um, 10.7.5. But that didn't work either. So can I absolutely recommend Carbon Copy Cloner, which is brilliant? Yeah, you can. Uh, That's great. Apart from the fact um, that you need another drive of exactly the same size, whereas what I thought... No, you don't. You can you, you do can it to a disk image. To disk images, yeah. But I mean, maybe what you're saying about compressed disk images, I wouldn't do that anyway. I I cloned my um, I've cloned several computers, but uh, I know it definitely works because the ProBook Mac that I built had a problem with the hard drive, so I cloned the hard drive, bought a new drive, and then restored it from the backup, and it worked perfectly. And mm. that's. Yeah, I use I use Carbon Copy Cloner as well, but it doesn't compress the data. So you still need, if you've got a drive, well, if you if you've got a hundred gig drive, say for instance, and you make a I disk image that's not compressed, that. it creates a hundred gig disk image. Yeah, sure. So you don't. So you may as well just back it up to another drive, unless you've got an absolutely massive. Uh, do you see what I mean? Yeah, right. I've got several things all backed up to one big four terabyte drive that I go and hide in the garden shed. Right, okay. Well, I just want to, you know... <laughs> I will... Nobody knows. Oh, no. <laughs> if anybody wants to steal all the Duran Duran masters, they're in my shed. Oh, no. What have I done? Ah. <laughs> there was, I put there it was somewhere a... else now, honestly. There was, a guy, there was a guy near here who used to... Whenever he went out, he used to hide... I mean, this was a big house as well. He used to hide all the money and jewellery from his wife in a carrier bag... In a, in a, like a, you know, just like a fence outside the front of his house, or in like a rose bush. It was brilliant. Wow. Front, front page paper when he got nicked. I reckon somebody just watched him for a few years and went, oh, What that. is that that he's putting in there? Yeah. Uh, All well, the jewellery. I just would like to say, uh, lesson learned, and I'm, so I just had to, I've ordered a new drive, which was dirt cheap, which is great, but, uh, so now I have to uh, rebuild the system, but I'm just a bit nervous that none of my backups are working, so I need to uh, um, figure that out. I'm just going to try something. I've been asked, can I just stream the audio without any video? I may be able to, and that might work. Let me just see. Yes, what I need is a backup sponsor. You're right, but it's interesting because I'm normally very good at this, and I usually do have backups, but what worried me was... Um, the fact that those disk images didn't work. So it might well be an issue that there is somewhere with that method. And like I say, across many different computers, different drives. Uh, and I also, but the thing is, I also tried this, I tried to make a disk image using something called Copycat X, which is a pro bit of software for creating. Di- and that disk image failed to uh, um, verify as well. So I don't know exactly whether it's a system thing. I'm not, I'm not Are sure. Are you doing the disk image at root level? Uh, yeah. Okay, that might have something to do with it, because I've got, I've got. Uh, if if it, the disk has got several partitions on it, uh, just run the, your disk utility across the root of that drive and see what's happening on that drive, because um, I've got um, very slightly non-Mac compliant big terabyte hard drives with different Mac partitions on. 
And when I run disk utility on the partitions themselves, it verifies. But when I run it on the root of the drive, it actually says that there's a problem, although the drives seem to work perfectly. And so there is some kind of weird known issue with really big drives on that. I'm not so using a big drive. I've got, uh, uh, to be honest, I'm backing up to a 750 gig 2.5-inch um, drive that we just happen to have lying around. I just put disk images on that. Uh, but or whatever's lying around, to be honest. Anyway, I'm going to. Uh, let, well, but but I just wanted to share that. So uh, yeah, do watch out if uh, or, or do go and check it. So uh, uh, apparently the live stream is working now. And I also want to say thanks very much also to our sponsors. We've got a sponsor, of course, uh, Stutter Edit um, Isotope. Um, no competition this week, but I will be announcing the winner of the last week's competition. So um, let's should we should we um, start with the topic? This one um, I think will please. It's it features one of our very own chatties. So hopefully you can all enjoy. This is Mutable Instruments and Beaker. Uh, as you see, it's in a very skeletal format. Um, this is without case. This is made by our uh, Azio head, who's in the chat room right now, if you uh, would care to. Uh, to... Well, there he is. I think he's just recognised himself. So uh, this, yes, this is um, the Ambika, and it's a, a sort of kit. You buy the, di- the, the, the PCBs and uh, the various boards and then you uh, get a parts list and you build it yourself but this is something that uh, we've made this is in fact I'll just post a link in the chat room so you folks can see it let me just uh, ah, here we go this is actually there's some monster stuff in here actually I love this one now, what's this bass line from I recognise it I recognise it from somewhere because this sounds like a collection of 80s MIDI patterns. <laughs> now, who is this, Dave? You're looking like you're trying to recall. Anyway, this uh, th- so this is ba- this was a demo that he put, and basically, as he had has built uh, in the chat room, has uh, this is his uh, phase 57 uh, blog dot phase 57 made this Ambika, and uh, you could buy this from Mutable Instruments. Uh, you buy the various motherboards, and and then you get a parts list, which looks like this, which is kind of... It's great. It's got all the serial numbers for the various uh, suppliers on Mouser, Farnell, Reichert, or DigiKey. Uh, these are presumably... Because some of these you're going to have to find uh, various different suppliers. And then you can build it. In fact, you can have it built for you, um, but uh, you can't buy it assembled as in, you know, from them. You, but there are apparently a few people that will build it for you. And it's going to be, a, I think it's around 1,000 euros built. That's a six voice. But, it's, uh, but that will run as six voices or multi-timbral instances of those. You know, a bit like the, the uh, mono machine, the um, electron thing, which you can run as a six voice or four one voices and a duo or a a four voice and and two monos, that sort of thing. And Dave, um, you passed this on um, when I was having a slightly bereft week of topics. And actually, I did get this from... uh from as your head as well, and it it sounds pretty nice. I just thoroughly recommend people go and check it out. Uh, tempted? Uh, not at making something. I think that's what kind of fascinated me more than anything. A, it sounds great, and B, somebody's taken the time and got the, had the patience to put all of that together, order all the bits in, assemble it, and actually the blog's brilliant. Yeah, there's loads is. of things that made me chuckle on there. The big box from Mauser Electronics. <laughs> like, I've seen that so many times when we've gone to pick up 
since that we've had repaired. Ah, here, so, and here it is. There it is, the big box. Yeah, and, of course, the uh, rather sexy soldering station. Yeah, you see, my soldering's just crap. So I, th- I think I would do a really bad, bad job of this. But I have to say, when Azio Head sent this to me, I kind of listened to it. I wasn't really expecting that much. And then it just really rips. It really rips. It sounds great. I think he's done uh, an amazing job. I'm not totally clear whether or not um, those presets are something that have come sort of when you buy the ROM or you get presumably, because you, you presumably get the OS image that you blast into some kind of ASIC chip or whatever it may be. I mean, I'm, I'm completely stabbing in the dark. Perhaps uh, perhaps as you're heading in the chat room can uh, mention, um, can give us an idea what that might be, uh, how, you, how you, you know, where those presets come from, whether you build them. Because, I mean, the... the, the um, the thing that I don't understand, uh, or I've been wrestling with this week, actually, because I've been trying to work on a tune, is interfaces to synthesizers, because I just think, right, I want to get this sound, and it, it takes me such a long time to flip through some presets or try and build it from scratch on a soft synth that I actually just ended up turning on the Jupiter 6, and just then I was like, oh, how do I record that? I've got... It was just, honestly, I was I just got into a complete workflow mess, and it made me realise that I really need to sort that out sharpish if I want to do anything serious. Because um, I, I just I haven't really got a way of making a noise I- in this setup. It's all geared around video and the podcast audio, so I'm really going to have to work on that. But anyway, that's another another matter. Uh, I know, Mark, you you you're a, you're a circuit bending sort of chap. Would you would you t- tackle something like this? I mean, I think it looks yeah, it looks very interesting. It <laughs> reminds me of why I got into all this stuff in the first place, which was. Um, well, actually, how I got into all of this stuff in the first place was I did an electronics option in my physics O-level because I discovered that if I did that, I didn't have to have tuition from our idiot teacher. Sorry, that's unfair, actually. Uh, the teacher that, at, as, a preten- uh, as a pretentious teenager, I didn't particularly like. So I, I, um, I did the electronics option, and, and me and my friend Scott Brynan, who... Um, was into all the project electronic stuff. Uh, we we kind of self-taught ourselves out of the physics books and uh, and built lots of this stuff from Maplin. So, ah, yes, Maplin. So, and there was a book by a guy called, I might get this wrong actually, Penfold. Roger Penfold, is that right? MIDI. So Penfold does one, ring a bell actually. He's one of the first guys that came out with electronic music projects and stuff and i just i used to build all sorts of weird stuff and that's why i got into the circuit bending thing and you know, the whole Penfold. idea of poking around with the soldering iron is it's kind of appeals to me actually so i hope i don't get distracted by this well as far as, I, as far as i can tell the bits are going to cost around about 650 700 euros um yeah, it sounded good as well. But then you'd have to build it, obviously. Um, but that, well, people will build it for you for, I guess, it's going to be a couple of hundred and two hundred, three hundred euros, depending on where they get the parts from. And as Asio had in the, said in the chat room, um, the price really depends on where you can source your parts because sometimes, you know, Fernal, Farnell might not have, you know, 12 of the things you need and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, apparently, oh, uh, he also said, because um, you can get different couple of different filter types there's a pulse or voice types there's a moog style voice card coming Ooh. which sounds oh, okay. like it could be fun uh, I, and as i understand it um the chap who's behind mutable is uh, perhaps building um some euro rack type stuff which would be very interesting i'd certainly like to try that out for sure but uh, good stuff I, I i like the idea of it and i'm, I'm thinking actually 
by building it, you're going to be so. I mean, you, you know, we've we've been running some things recently about you know the value of uh, ignoring presets and learning your instrument, and and I guess building the instrument will really make sure that you you kind of know it incredibly well because you'll be so familiar. You'll have to know all the parameters to to, to ensure it tests tests properly, right, Dave? Absolutely, and that's that. Actually, that's the thing that really struck me about it in the first place. I know people who've assembled. Remember, in fact, it's funny that Mark say about their Maplin stuff because they used to make these since the five thousand six hundred and what lot, which are actually really expensive if you can find them working nowadays. But I mean, you know, we're going back to the seventies. They're a kind of weird um, EMS type since, but they're always built really badly. But the chances are to to check all of that would have been a complete nightmare. So I, that's what I really liked about this. First of all, it looked like it was. You know, all the components look re- really robust. You know, that little uh, the display unit and stuff like that. And secondly, like we said before, you know, you are there is no chance that you are going to have to. Well, there's just no choice, but you're just going to have to explore this in depth if you get yeah. that. Well, as you said in the chat room, that uh, he's also done some modifications to the functionality and tweaked the code a bit, which sounds like great fun as well. Um, yes, Lagrange Audio, uh, Native VS Paras, Paratrack. Actually, Mark, we first met. We first met at uh, in in person after sort of working virtually for five or six years together at the Cambridge uh, Synth DIY meet, um, which Paul Maddox is involved in. And do you, I don't know if you recall, but there was a massive Powertran Transcendent two thousand or some a, a massive Maplin synthesizer, which we were yeah, really they, did, they had a Maplin synth both really <laughs> enamoured with, but it sadly wasn't working fully, so we couldn't get to see it. It's but. fascinating because the because the Powertrans stuff, a lot of it was designed by that Tim Orr who worked for EMS as well, and then obviously the Maplin stuff. My really favourite kind of thing ever, and I've still got it, is a Powertran MCS one, which is a MIDI controlled sampler. Oh, uh, yeah. But the thing is, it did loop recording way before everything else because it's really a delay unit and you can just flick a button on the front or press a button on the front and it switches it from being a delay unit into a sampler that can record things but if you use it as a delay unit and switch the click on you can play to a click and then you press the button on the front and turn it into a sampler and if you start in the right place on the click you then end up with something that you can trigger so you create loops and then trigger them there's something uh, to be said for there's something to be said for delays, isn't there? Which absolutely. might prove to be a link into our next topic, actually, Dave. What do you think? I think. Uh, oh. I, I, but, well, Dave uh, sent me a list of topics, and uh, it just so happens that's just just the perfect uh, opportunity for a link. So I'm going to press the button, and uh, we should, Dave can tell us. Oh. I might press the button that actually works. <laughs> that's it. That's the one. Oh God. This is uh, Dave. Actually, was, was talking about you know because uh, does sound remarkably lovely. Is there a spring reverb going on in there as well? In that, there's quite a lot of reverby stuff going on. You know what? That reminds me of Wally Badaru on uh, the Grace Jones record. Uh, I can't remember the name of the track, but 
but uh, of the island years. So, Dave, you were basically because I mean, you know, as you know, um, both myself, I, I used to have an analog delay pedal. And you were looking into getting some delays for your analog synths because they just go together so beautifully, delay and analog synthesizers. But mm. uh, so, what, what was? Tell us the story. Really interesting. Uh, we've obviously we've got an absolutely beautiful Space Echo, but it's kind of written in stone that that belongs with the um, AKS, the EMS AKS, because uh-huh. the two of them just work so beautifully together. So as and when I've got this kind of room together, which was only really in the last couple of weeks, I started thinking, okay, so what I want to do, Chris and I want to do a video of us noodling around, you know, now and again, as I want to do. So I've got the modular, the big modular there. I've got the other modular there. I've got, so basically I'm kind of setting it up like three or four stations and I want each station to go into a line mixer. And then I want to send from a line mixer into, um, a really good delay. So we started looking at delays, uh, and we've bought a couple of really old copycat valve delays, which actually I didn't get a chance to plumb in. But the delay that I really, really, really want is this tape. It's a full tone delay, and it's a tape, and it's really, really expensive. Ah, uh, it's like a, re- it's like a make. Uh, um, it's like, it's a like remake- an Echoplex. Echoplex, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I had an Echoplex. Uh, a long time ago, and I'm really sad that I got rid of it. But it's really expensive. I think the full tone is something like sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars Yeah, no, I did have a look at it. Um, yeah, definitely. So I kind of went, yeah, I can't really do that. And then somebody, uh, I was sort of saying that this is what I wanted to do on my Facebook page, and uh, somebody came up, uh, a really interesting guy, who pointed me in the direction of these Strymon effects pedals, which I'd never heard of before. Now, the El Capistan is all DSP, it's sharp chip, and I thought, oh, it'll be worth a try. And I have to say that when I went to the website, I thought the demos were just brilliant. They were, they, there was one with a synth on it with a Juno 6, but actually even the guitar stuff, I was like, oh, it's really tasteful, it, made, it, it all sounds kind of really musical. So I persuaded Chris that we absolutely needed, needed one. Uh, and I got it through, and honestly, I think it's amazing. It does sound I, nice. A, it's got a lot of cre- it's got a lot of creaminess to it, from what I can gather. It just really uh, does sound like it's almost uh, yeah. It's so controllable as well. You know, sometimes the two hundred one, the space echo we've got, even though it's been completely restored and stuff, it can get a little bit random, and you, you've got a particular knob position, particularly on the feedback side of things, where sometimes it works exactly as you want, and then. Other times it's a little bit haywire and wayward, whereas this is really brilliantly precise. And you've got the wow and flutter knob, you've got the kind of tape age knob, which obviously decreases some of the high end stuff and saturates the bottom end. There is a there is a couple of hidden modes as well that you can yeah like, they say boost you... spring reverb type stuff. Yeah. But yeah, really, I mean, honestly, really impressed. And I've just been I've been playing with it like ever since I've got it. And it's so rare that I get a piece of kit that I just can't leave alone. So now I'm trying to persuade... It's interesting that they've actually... They've, they've put a, a, a... That's got a Shark DSP chip just dedicated. These are the Shark DSPs are the same things that you get in the Universal Audio um, products. They're very powerful. Uh, you also got them... Uh, they put Sharks in a lot of the Creamware stuff, wasn't it? The, the yeah, stuff. well, John Solaris uses yeah. Shark. yeah. And I mean, very, you know, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. But the fact that they've 
devoted everything shark chip based to this one gizmo. Yeah, it's about it's a couple hundred quid, isn't it? 240 quid, something 240 like that. 240 quid, and I thought, yep, yeah, that'll do. In fact, now I'm trying to persuade Chris that we desperately need the... It's uh, mono, though, right? Time. Well, it's mono in, but you, yeah, it's stereo out, if you want. Ah, what, so you can pan the so reverb, and, right. so can you pan the reverb, or, or the dry and the wet, or that's... You know, it's funny, I've only got as far as plumbing it into the little pro DGX, the pro soloist, so, which has only got a mono. So I haven't got as far as actually plumbing it in in stereo yet, because at the minute I'm kind of going. Actually, if we had one for that instrument and one <laughs> for instrument and another one for that, what you need, Dave, is uh, it might be better to get say two or three and have them permanently set to specific kind of lengths of delays, and then just have a matrix, a send matrix, so you can send any synth to it, and then foot pedals for modifying. Because what's the expression do? Does it modify the? Uh, it's got an expression input, hasn't it? Yeah, the time. And actually, that's why I wanted pedals as opposed to racks, because obviously when you're noodling around on the synths, you've got your hands full. And I wanted the I wanted to be able to do a tap tempo. Uh, so yeah, I'd it. already bought a Boss Giga delay thing over uh, for one of the sections, which is, which is nice, but it's just not the same league as this. I mean, really, the difference is chalk and cheese. That's funny. It's funny you should say that you're uh, that with delays today because we um, uh, the, you're talking about the um, oh, what was the tape echo that you were talking about the uh, Echoplex, which mm. is something that is very much the sound of Portishead and 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 Golfrap use it a lot as well. And incidentally, Adrian Utley is live blogging for us right now in his uh, massively overheated studio. He's doing an analog synth remix and. Uh, he said it's so hot that none of the synths are behaving themselves because the electronics are just... I've never seen Aid wearing shorts, and he's wearing shorts. But he's just posted a whole load of pictures of stuff. Um, so if you go and check that on the site, there should be a banner up there somewhere saying how to get to it. Uh, Mark, uh, do, you, do you have any kind of particular delay pedal-type stuff? I mean, I know you work very much in the box, but, I mean, do you work... Have you not any desire for that sort of thing? Um... Uh, well, apart from the one I mentioned, the powertrain MCS1. Ah, yes. That's it. Um, but that was, and that's a very, very early, a very early digital thing. And I like very early digital things. They have a different quality to them than the modern digital things, or even things that try to emulate early digital things. So if you put me in a studio and I didn't find an AMS delay, then I would probably be disappointed because I like them as well. Um, they've got their own kind of sound to them. Or oh, uh, Bell delays, I like them yeah, as well. The Bell BD80. Well, they were yeah. the, they were what you used to use for sampling, weren't they? Because they had exactly, a little remote yeah. with a trigger, so you could record what up to 17 seconds in them, and then you could just spin it in and spin it back to tape. See, I'm, I'm and I kind of was thinking about this the other day. I'm not totally convinced by some of the semi-pro gear that comes out that the noise floor is good enough for some of the professional recordings so those those really expensive high-end delays definitely had like a lower noise floor than the stuff we play around with on guitars or at home in home recording like the bell bd80 i'm sure that's got like uh, maybe i'm having some nostalgic moment here but i mean i don't remember it being as noisy as some of the stuff that i use at home like the powertrain for example just sounds like 
it's got a white noise generation. <laughs> it's extraordinarily, extraordinarily low quality and noisy. But I'm just, uh, just curiously, is the Bell? Wasn't Bell um, uh, some sort of um, US-based telephonic company? They is were. It Bell Labs, is it yeah. Packard Bell or Bell yeah. Labs? Was that who made it then? Do you think it was? Was it originally a broadcaster or some sort of item, perhaps? It seems unusual that they would have built such a sort of... Because, uh, I mean, every studio, when I first started out, you know, and when I used to go into studios when I was sort of 16, 17, the bell was what you used. Before samplers came along, that yeah. was it. Everyone had one. So, and, and it just seems strange that that would have been built by a sort of fairly pedestrian electronics company. Just... Well, they kind of... But I think they pretty much invented the idea of digitising audio because they wanted to get more conversations down, down less wires wire. yeah so they they want you know a thousand conversations going down one copper wire that's gonna that's gonna save them money on laying cables across the sea of course we don't have to do that anymore but um, at that time in the 1970s i think somebody must have just taken that technology and used it in a different way. Oh, wow. According to uh, Tri- Tribix in the uh, chat room, Bell Labs built all kinds of wacky high-tech stuff, like the first supersonic aircraft. <laughs> and, a, what? and a synth. A synth? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bell Labs digital synth was built in the, like, the 70s. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to check some of this stuff out. The Bell X1. Oh, yeah, man, that was mega. If that's the same, is that's the same company? Wow. That like is well. I Chuck never knew Nagel. any. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to dig that out and have a look at it. Uh, well, perhaps I won't. I'll, I'll see if I can dig it up. I'll find a link and stick it in the chat room. The Bell X. Well, I'm gonna type that in now. See if I can bring it. Well, no. But I'm gonna go off on a slight sidetrack. When I was in a Please. band in the uh, 1970s with my schoolmates, and the band eventually went on to become a band called the Crop Dusters after they threw me out. Um, they <laughs> they said to me, when are you going to buy an amplifier? And I said, well, I'm not. I'm kind of into home recording. So I want to buy this analog delay unit. And they got very cross with me. And they said, why do you want to buy that? So you can repeat all your mistakes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, right. At and which then, point you told them and um, then, Well, and then we parted ways and yeah, I became just... a man who records things at home in his bedroom and then went on to... Uh, to like, kind of, you know, to work professionally in the business for for yeah, several exactly. years, very successfully. I, 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 and is there any crowing to be had? Are they? F- oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, because they were very successful as well. Oh. So I don't think anybody's. I don't think anybody's won anything. They're still going as well. That's the most extraordinary part. And them. they're one of Dave Robinson's favourite bands, if I remember rightly. So. Uh, okay, well, there's there's enough All clues in there for you to find out you have pot pickers exactly who we're talking about without names yep. being mentioned. I like it, nicely done, Dan. <laughs> oh, excuse me, sudden sneezing fit. I think well now perhaps is the time to uh, to bring up the word from our sponsors, and we'll obviously announce the winner of the competition um, that we set last week. Of course, if the ad actually plays which I'm hoping it will at some point very soon. Yeah, there we go. This is uh, Isotope, our sponsors. Isotope, of course, makers of many things. Uh, but at the moment, we're talking about Stutter Edit, which is uh, an effect you play like an instrument. It's kind of great for 
for cut-ups and um, slicing and, and wrangling real-time remixing kind of stuff. Uh, it's mainly conjunction with BT, Brian Transu, who uh, famously did a lot of this stuff by hand and was obviously looking for a way to make it not so. Uh, remix in real-time, on stage or in the production studio, you can play it from a MIDI keyboard. Instant results, you put it on a, across a bus or a master bus or whatever. 800 presets as well as lots of free expansions. Cutting-edge audio slicing and manipulation. You can slice, chop, reverse, switch up. You can almost get granular with it as well. 10-day free trial available by going to isdope.com forward slash stutter edit. Um, practical applications you can build, turnarounds and fills for dance, uh, make samples and just use them in all sorts of interesting ways. It's, it really is quite an astonishing plugin, as are many of the Isotope plugins, which is why we're proud to have them as a sponsor. And don't forget, isotope.com forward slash stutter edit. Now, you remember last week uh, we set a competition which, uh, on our Logic X, X episode, which seemed to have garnered an awful lot of uh, uh, responses in the comments, but none of them actually, or very, very few of them, responses to the entries to the competition. In fact, I think there were only two. So if you'd entered last week, um, you stood a very good chance of winning something. And uh, Car- Karodani, who posted seven days ago, six days ago, so that would have been uh, the day that the episode was posted, has uh, has, has posted... Something that I've chosen, um, and and uh, I mean I'm not belittling what he wrote, but there was very little choice in the way that this uh, this this worked. But anyway, he, he wants to enter the corner. How far will I go for the perfect edits? Easy answer: There's no such thing as perfection, especially talking about creativity. Then there could be some commercial standard. But again, it's about the fashion of the moment and the targeted market. So I'm ha- if I'm having fun, I will go on to edit non-stop because of the fun of editing itself. If I have a clear goal, such as a date or a client request, it will be much easier. I guess that's a non-answer, but perfection is a non-concept, which I think is quite a neat little statement. So uh, I will get in touch with him. He wins a copy of Stutter Edit, and uh, the Isotope Fairy will bestow that into his email account or setup account. Um, So there we go. And uh, there is no competition this week, um, just purely because I think we could take a little bit of a break, save Isotope a little bit of money, you know, give them a break. I'm sure that, you know, I think everyone's posting their their, their yearly results and, uh, you know, I don't don't want to skew the uh, figures too much for them. (laughs) I'm sure that won't be the case. um, I I just think we need to clear something up on that last topic because I think I've got a bit of a problem with my bell end. Ah, no, I was I was wondering when there was going to one come coming. Now I'm surprised you've left it so long. Has it taken that long to percolate? No, well, Bell Bell B D eighty was spelt B E L, and everybody's talking about Bell B L L E L L, and I've got a feeling that Bell B E L is different to B E L L. Ah, well, it was a nice riff. We need to research that. So the end of the bell, there's no second L on the end of the bell. Yeah, you're right. In terms of the delay. Absolutely right. Um, So it's probably not the same company. And this is what it looked like. That's uh, Bell BD80 there. Yeah, awesome. Actually, I'm, I seem to remember there was one that was kind of more of a fawn or taupe colour, perhaps before that. Yeah. But, uh, well, slightly grey. Yeah, anyway. Bell did, yeah, we're talking about different bells. So, as you're right, Mark, it's all about the end of the bell. That, uh, that, that It's all in the end. <laughs> and I think I'm managing to hop around that without uh, encouraging any kind of uh, um, adult supervision for listening to this podcast. So, anyway, I also wanted to say um, the last week the uh, topic uh, got a lot of response. And one thing, because you were saying that you had trouble with... Um, 
you know, a lot of those uh, legacy plugins, like the Guitar Amp plugin, that were not long there. Apparently, if you hold down Option when you click on the uh, uh, yeah. plugin, you you can see all of those, and they are still, in fact, there. Which is a really strange way of doing that. Why don't they just put them in so the menu in the first you, yeah, place? Somebody pointed that out to me, and thank you for pointing that out because that, that was, was Velocipede in the chat. Saved room. me from finding it in the manual. <laughs> yes. Which, of course, we're up, none of us are unlikely to read. Since we're up, we've been using Logic for sort of six iterations, it's unlikely that we're now going to go back to the manual and start reading it. But I've got I've got manuals all around the bloody place. The manual from seven and the manual from eight. These huge, great big boxes full of books, um, so, which are nice actually, because at least it gives you the possibility of reading them in the bath, which you can't do with a digital manual. But when I'm working, I'm so unlikely to stop in the middle of what I'm doing and then go, oh, how do I do this? I'll just have to do it whatever way it needs to be done in the quickest kind of way. Rather, I'm not going to stop for like an hour and read the manual on how to do something when I'm trying to... Well, hopefully you would use what, what they, I think they call it the index to look up... <laughs> Look up what it is. You wouldn't have to read it from cover to cover to find out what you need. But yes, oh, I, I take your point. So. I mean, the, the way I used to do it in the olden days was I used to dial 01462 something 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 something, and then I would speak to somebody from uh, eMagic's distribution. Oh, which, you know what? It was their number was something like forty eight thousand or forty four one hundred. Yeah. They did the sample. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and then I talked to what were they called? Sound Technology. Sound Technology. I think yeah, it was brilliant. They had a helpline and everything. You could speak to a human being and go, and it's probably where the RTFM yeah. uh, acronym came from. But you'd just say, like, just I from you ringing up. This, and I've been trying to do this, and they'd go, hang on a minute. Okay, you do this, 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 and this, and this. And I must admit that thanks to a lot of those phone calls, that's probably how I learned to use some of the more in depth features. If I. You're honest yes. about it. Oh, yes. Okay, well, no, no, it's good, good admission there. I very much appreciate that one. Um, uh, and I, yeah, I still haven't um, uploaded it yet, but it seems to have made the news. I mean, it's mentioned in a lot of places, so you know, I'm hoping it's actually uh, going to do well. I, I will, I will get around to it. I've got to find a drive. I've got to buy a new operating system, install it on that, and then run it remote on a second boot drive because I don't want to update to you know. Anyway, it's all fairly dull. I'm sure you don't really want to know. I, actually, somebody might know this in the chat room. I nearly bought um, the Mountain Lion update via the App Store, but I wasn't entirely sure what was going to happen if I downloaded it, whether it would just auto-install or whether there'd be a disk image I could make a DVD from and then I could burn it onto whatever drive I wanted. Does anyone know the answer to that? I know the answer to that. It saves it on your hard drive, um, and you can double-click on it, and when you double-click on it, you can choose which drive you install it onto, so you don't have to write over your... Ah. existing operating system you can if you plug in an external drive you could install it to your external drive uh, okay i might well, well do, that. I might it's, well do it's, that and it and it ends up in a fairly well hidden kind of spot on your computer or depending which operating system you currently have if you if you've got snow leopard i think it ends up in your apps folder but if you've got anything after that it ends up in a weird little hidden folder and you have to go and hunt for it and you can also drag it off onto a separate drive um ah, okay and there's a there's a way of turning it into a bootable usb stick as well which i'll send you the information about after the show if you like uh yes well i will because it's only actually it's that the uh, mountain line is only 14 quid or something i mean it's very reasonably priced so it's a bit of a no-brainer really that yeah um i suppose we could move on to another topic we've done a couple 
Um, uh, we sort of went round and round, so we've done that one. Um, does anyone have any... Um, do you want to do something about the piano? Is that something of interest to you? Because uh, I'd really like to do something about that... Um, well, I've got two that I'd like to do, but uh, uh, I've also got um, the sound map thing, Apple Read. Anyone see that? Neo Scenes? Oh, that was quite interesting. That's really yeah. interesting. And also, um, the other thing that we've got uh, that we could talk about was, uh, well, there's that Raspberry Pi um, application, which just, look, I'm, I'm, I want to write to the bloke and beg him to give me that image so I can do what he did <laughs> without having to learn how to program the entire thing. Um, anyone have any suggestions or any, any, any pr- anything that they've particularly researched that would like to cover before I rough, ride roughshod over their wishes and, and blow that? Uh, go on, you choose. I'll choose then. Um, cool. Well, let's do, um, we could do this thing. Um, let's have a look. Uh, I would like to do, yes, this Arbor, this Matt Sound Maps thing, because this, this came via Google in the chat room a couple of weeks ago, and I had a chance to check it out. Now, if I could just find it, uh, it is here somewhere. Ah, here we go. Basically, um, this is uh, it's called Apple.org Maps. Uh, I think what I've actually done, accidentally done, right, I've accidentally... What we got is like a sort of a, a Google Maps type thing. I think I've just po- posted something that says I might be in Taiwan, but I'm not. I'm here in Bath. Uh, this this little application, basically these are locations all over the world where people have uploaded sound clips. So you can go say, um, let's let's have a look at this. This looks interesting. This is, uh, what's this, Norway. This is the sound of this part of Norway that's been uploaded. Sounds like there's a lot of birds going. Guillemots, in fact, I believe. So or we can zoom right out and let's maybe go... Um, let's go somewhere else. Somewhere... Gosh, I, I can't believe how much Finland looks like an old man's tadger. Anyway. <laughs> Always have thought that. Where, where are we now? Let's, um, uh, let's get out of Europe and maybe head over to uh, somewhere a bit more exotic. What's this place over here? Oh, that looks interesting. Where's that? Somebody playing in uh, Croatia, playing a guitar. I'm not sure is the idea of this, but let's see where else we can go. And what it is, is people can, you can post, if you, you can go anywhere on this map and you can upload, and it's absolute. what I found it was absolutely fascinating because I just ended up wandering around the world going, oh, no, it sounds like there. And a lot of them are just sounds of... The atmosphere, so you can go into major cities and hear like what the street sounds like, and that they're, they're actually really tightly pa- uh, packed. And I didn't, you know, there must have been people posting them for years. I mean, I think it's been going since 2006. This project, uh, it's called Radio Apori, and you can um, click on a map. You could, if you record something on your uh, computer, I know, I know, Mark, you're very fond of audio boos and that kind of thing. And it just seems like such a brilliant idea because it's so evocative. It's like radio. And you could just yes, Google it says you spent days listening to th- a day listening to things, and that's exactly how I felt. I just sort of wandered around, going, "Oh, what it sounds like there." Did you get a chance to listen to anything there, Dave? What did you think? It's a great idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dotted around all over the world. There was a great website. I think it was called thequietamerican.org, which was great, a uh, similar kind of thing, but obviously just. I think the guy had lived in like Vietnam and stuff, and he just used to go out and record with his little dat thing, and then just upload bits and pieces but this 
Yes, I just, I mean, I got lost like everybody else did. It's really bizarre things as well, wasn't there? Like kind of train tunnels and water coming through some kind of weird man-made tunnel. Just really bizarre. Like the cool thing lot, is you, you, can, uh, you can download the sounds as well in many cases, which is just mm. a really cool idea. So you can just basically go anywhere and go, oh, and I imagine um, it must be very good for if you're doing ambient music or you're doing soundtracks for, and you want to do some layoffs and stuff. I mean, it's all sort of open source and creative commons and what have you but it just it's not only that it's just a fantastic kind of yeah i don't know what the licensing uh, i think actually it's creative commons i think the yeah. license you, you can say when you post it i think you can say what you want the license to be so this uh, yeah the creative commons what our licenses do yes you can do that so pretty neat and Mark, i imagine this appeals to you have you sent anything up yet? Uh, no i haven't sent anything up it's absolutely up my street though i mean it reminds me of free sounds org in a way which is also one of the most useful places for going and collecting sounds if you, i mean when i'm doing my podcast i almost always go and uh, find things on there but i i do like the idea that it's all uh sitting on top of a map and you can see exactly where it was recorded and it really uh, it's sort of something fascinating it, about it, knowing what things sound like in other places. Exactly, it's kind of like the way that radio works, isn't it? Because your imagination is immediately filling in the details of the landscape. You can't but help think, "I know what this looks like," but just by listening to what's going on and the sound. A lot of it's the sound of kind of wind and space and waves and water and wind and trees and bird song and stuff like that. And that, that's what I just absolutely love about it because you could just go anywhere you know, pretty much where they're... And there are a lot of these. Some of them are really, really miles and miles away from anywhere in uh, that you would imagine. So, I mean, there's some some stuff, you know, in, in parts of Africa that are just re- seem like they're in the middle of... Oh, that's in a city, I suppose. And people posting sort of recordings of indigenous music and what have you, which I think is really cool. What's that? that is, is that... Carry on, yeah, this is just the atmosphere that will play below it. Why ever not? <laughs> and the fact that it's available as an iApp means that anybody with an iPhone... Oh, is it? I thought it was only Android at the moment and the iApp was beta. It's in the App Store. Oh, is it? Oh, fantastic. That must be updated. That's great. um, But it just means any... I mean, I don't know what Android phones' microphones are like, but I actually think the the microphone in the iPhone is quite reasonable. It was in the iPhone 3. I actually got worse in the 3GS, but it's still reasonable, I suppose. So it, it, it means that anybody can upload this stuff and sort of um, you know it means that we've got the possibility of hearing all sorts of things from around the world and it can only get better can't it yeah I just think it's such a brilliant idea until the spammers get hold of it of course oh yeah and then it'll just be um, actually yeah that's a really good idea maybe what I should do is populate it with adverts for Sonic Talk (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't that be awful please don't do that no I'm not going to do that don't worry um (laughs) <laughs> but somebody's probably going to be doing that, aren't they? I, th- I would imagine that there's some sort of uh, curation of what's going on here. I'm, I, I'm fairly sure. Because there's a lot of stuff there, and I'm pretty sure that there would be... no Yeah, plant, 
that's a really there could be a game couldn't there which is basically I'll plant the Sonic Talk intro somewhere in the world yeah it's like where's Wally but an <laughs> and the winner match. wins something you know like uh, uh, they get the county court injunction they get the uh, cease and desist <laughs> a copy of the cease and desist they have to really be there though don't they uh, I don't know whether you can or not no I'm not sure but interesting yeah, maybe random... you can trick your, your iPhone into thinking that you're somewhere else ah so it would geotag it well, you exactly. can know because you can upload it via the website by clicking on the map, and there's an apparently there's a way to upload from uh, from the website. What is that in the background? This is uh, this is in um, this is in Croatia again. There's a lot in Croatia. I seem to be gravitating to Croatia. This is uh, uh, within the last day. This is posted, uh, and it's the Sobieskio Giego Housing Estate, Novigrad, Croatia. Okay. With the uh, cockerel crowing and what have you, and it's a six-minute ambience I'd like to go on holiday somewhere in Croatia one day and I, I, now I can research it with the sound but it's just such a brilliant idea so if you want to check that out go to apore a-p-o-r-e-e dot org and it's just there's just you could spend yeah you your whole just, life you spend there, your whole actually. life with it easily I don't I like know how many hours of uh, of audio there is but it's absolutely brilliant I often spend a very 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 long time in free sound so I, it's it's very easy to get lost. Yeah, lovely I mean, though. Some of the some of the qu- the quality of some of the stuff is absolutely extraordinary in Freesound, and then they always tell you exactly which microphones they used and which recorder they've used and all that sort of stuff, and they're ah. tagged by recorder, so you can actually go and work out which recorders sound good for certain things, which mics have low noise floor, and all that sort oh, of stuff. Oh, that's a great idea. I don't know whether you can upload that mu- as much information. I suppose you could put it up there if you wanted to, but yeah, that's very, that, that is really neat. Ah, Dave's back again. So yeah, I, I think... I th- sorry, I don't know what happened there. I'm running two broadband lines at the minute, and I think I was on the wrong one. Ah, Okay. Oh, yeah, your video just got better. Now, there you go, see? <laughs> this, is, this is BT video. The other one's Virgin video. Ah, Virgin video. I'm, I'll, I'll pause there for somebody to... You just think about the gag. We don't actually have to say it. There <laughs> yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leave it all in five. <laughs> Leave it all into your imagination. A bit like the Apore kind of uh, system. Uh, fantastic stuff. Um, I think we've got time for another quick one. Um, so we could talk about... We've done the delays thing. I think we could talk about the... Uh, this compelling Raspberry Pi advert, uh, um, audio application, which I just think is awesome. And this is, here it comes. Probably. Some point. In the future. There it is. Uh, this is by a chap called Servando Barriero, and it was an article, a video that was accompanying an article um, on Create Digital Music. But this is a, there's a Raspberry Pi there, a Monotron, and something that he's written in uh, something called Pure Data, which is a programming language that uh, is an open source that runs on a variety of platforms and can run on a, a Raspberry, a Raspberryan fork called Satellite, so you have to download it. But I'm, I'm going to try and write to him and see if it's possible to get hold of like a pre-made image and make that available, because I think this is just awesome. And I think what he's doing here is just creating a load of, uh, layering a load of sounds on four individual looping channels with, and it's also got various effects on it. And it just sounds awesome for making these beautiful sort of ambient kind of pads and textures. And the fact that it's running on a 25 quid computer with a sort of 40 quid controller, uh, I just, uh, there's something about it that makes me very happy. I think Dave's about to, uh, 
join in with uh, something over there. Is that on the 505? Are you on the... Or is it out of key? Anyway, I'm not going to play it forever, but I, uh, Dave, I thought you were about to join in there. Were you inspired, like I was? It's really fascinating. I, I, I love this, but actually it's the way that I get certain sounds out of the eight voice. Because in effect, what you're doing is you're running, you're playing one key, and then you're just tuning each of the 16 oscillators to different notes. And then, again, via a delay, you can get this kind of... These lovely, beautiful textures. I did uh, a, a YouTube video on the 8 voice, which has had an inordinate, it's about 100,000 hits now. Nice. And people have... There's a sound that I use to open it up, which is, again, a single note chord. But it's slurred and kind of played, uh, you know, with a little bit of um, cut off and stuff. And people have just gone, you know, I hear the sound of God. And I love the fact that I produced that once and it will never be produced again. And that's what really struck me about this, is that it just, it was a similar kind of concept. And it does, it just sounds so large. Yeah, it's really nice. And I'm, later on in the video, he gets into kind of adding, there's, I think there's a little bit of reverb and some fuzz and other things going on. And it's just... It's just the moment of it that I really like. And that's, the, again, the, the thing I've been working on this project or attempting to and uh, found myself just reaching for the Jupiter 6 and having an interface that you could... Even on that level, you know, he built this he built this thing, he's got this controllability and a monotron as an input. Just a great idea. And I, 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 I like the idea of that layering of, of text because you can buy synths and, and, and there are software synths and hardware synths. Isn't Shruti also by... Um, um, the mutable instruments, that's a drone-making machine as well. And the drones are really kind of quite quite a unique and sort of in their own in their, in their own sort of genre of sounds. They work really, really nicely, I think. Yeah. Uh, Mark, going to get a Raspberry Pi yet then? Has that convinced you? Not yet. Uh, I don't know, got an iPad, I haven't got a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be another five years behind on that. Maybe I'll get the the next one when they bring bring out the next one. Well, uh, like I say, I, I, what I'd like to try and do, I mean, this is when they are, is to, is to host. I, I think I've talked about this before. Is to try and collect images of instruments that will just work if you plug a MIDI controller in them, so you can play them, uh, and, and just so that you know you could get a Raspberry Pi and then you can download you know these SD card images that maybe we can put somewhere that people could download. But I, I just need to kind of get my head around. I don't know how much configurability uh, there needs to be, you know, whether you've got to get in there with command line stuff, because I think uh, you probably do in a lot of cases, and that's going to be beyond a lot of people. But if you could drop, like, 40 quid on a Raspberry Pi and an interface, and uh, sorry, and a case yeah. and a power supply, and then just plug your MIDI keyboard in and have it make some wacky stuff, that's just such a great concept to me. I agree. I think that would be brilliant. Actually, yes. But I don't think anybody else has yet. So I, it's still very much in my, uh, yeah. The, the chat room are saying that maybe the next one will be a strawberry pie. <laughs> cool. I quite like the idea of that. Strawberry <laughs> pie. Mud pie. Blueberry pie. Fur yeah. pie. Ah, all those things. Um, but, yeah, that was great. So that, that chap is, uh, he's a really kind of performance artist. Uh, he's called, uh, like I say, Servando Barriero. And he wrote this piece on Create Digital Music, which is a great piece. Um, so it's well worth checking out if you get the opportunity. And likewise, it's worth. I think Raspberry Pis are actually quite easy to come by now. I don't think they. I think because they sold so many of them, they they had trouble scaling up from their kind of we can build a thousand to we need to build a hundred thousand. And as I say, you know the Raspberry Pi runs over here. 
Uh, it's great because uh, there's there's basically I've got a 40 inch LCD TV, and it, which is just monstrously large, driven by this tiny little box. Which I just there's, there's something about that that just uh, it still gives me pleasure. I have to show it to everybody who comes in. See, look, that TV has been driven off that tiny little box. Yeah. I'm the only one now, I think. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm with you on that. I like these tiny little boxes that can do extremely clever things. I think, I, I don't know, I just... I mean, I've rem- I remember... No, I'm not going to go into that story again. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, well, let's see what let's see what else we've got. Um, I think there's another another topic we can probably squeeze in. Oh, this is the, there was a, a, a billboard article about uh, fade out or end cold, and uh, I thought that was quite interesting because the challenge, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to repeat to fade in the chorus and just kind of you know that's all you do, you do and you don't bother with you don't have to come up with an ending. Uh, I'm just loading the web page now, which is why I'm backpedaling a little bit because I haven't anticipated getting this far. Um, but some, unfortunately, it's not loading for some reason. But essentially, the gist of the article was really just about. Uh, uh, I think we've talked about fades before and the types of fades, you know. And I, I think um, Gaz was talking about the S being the best because then you get the the sudden and then the gradual fade out at the end. Um, but the idea of coming up with endings for songs, alternatives to fades, is quite an interesting idea because I mean it's very easy to kind of just come up with a really cheesy ending. But it's harder to come up with an actual... And I'm trying to think, actually, if any of the remixes or tracks I've done, I've actually ever come up with an ending and not just gone for the fade-out. And I'm wondering... wondering, um, You have, have you, Mark? I was asked to do just this the other day. I did a remix for somebody, and I did this beautiful fade, and it just kind of disappeared into nothing, and I thought, that's really nice. Uh, sent it off to the guy that I did it for, and he uh, sent me an email back. He said, I love everything apart from the end. Can we have it not fade out? And the reason he wanted it not to fade out is because he wanted DJs to be able to spin it into the next record. So in the end, he said to me, can we have it end on the guitar you played on it? And so basically the track ends, and then it's got like about eight bars of this kind of funk guitar playing just on its own and then it stops which is for me it's like a very very weird ending but it's what he wanted and it means that anybody could take that piece of guitar and spin it in onto other things and um i i kind of like the idea of that i kind of like that i think maybe maybe you put several bars of the thing that you want people to sample the most on the end of the track so you kind of finish the track and then right ends with like eight bars of like if you're a drummer and you want them to nick your drum riff you put that on there or yeah. if you've got well that's, that's a very it's a very utilitarian that. solution isn't it you put that on there just so that the dj makes the dj live live you because it always used to be a fade out you had to do so that you could cross fade or whatever that's oh. an interesting idea but uh, and good that you got the somebody to actually come up with the idea for you as well, so you didn't have to come up with an ending and kind of record it. Because I mean, you hear it, don't you? Also in jingles, where uh, in ad jingles, where they've taken an existing song and somehow manufactured an ending out of one that wasn't actually there. I know, yeah. Dave. Do you like to finish a track properly, or are you are you a fade out merchant? I never finish a track. Full stop. Oh god. Uh, we did talk about this, didn't we? I always like it when. You've got real musicians and great players, 
and then you do a really big extended fade because that's when the really good musos start to rip. My brother-in-law, you know, Dale, bass player, he, re- he comes up with some fantastic licks and I'm just like, just keep going, just keep going. So that fade could go on for like 10 minutes. Although I do find that the best way to end a song is just to go... Da, 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 da. Yeah, all variations of thereof. That's yeah. the thing, isn't it? It's the, that's the thing. There are only so many of those that you can do. Yeah. You can leave all the sort of weird chord that just sort of jazzes it up at the end. Oh, I'm guilty of those, I have to say. I had a yes. feeling it might be. Yes. And I as a drummer like too, singing. what about a bit of um, cymbal tinkling? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, mark trees and bell trees. God, I hate that. <laughs> the endings of song with mark trees. Did you know that Chris once, I forget who it was, it was quite a famous, it was a very, very famous drummer. Might have even been one of Emerson Lake and somebody. But he sellotaped up the mark tree. So at the end of the song, when he went to kind of do that big thing, it just didn't make a noise. I thought that was brilliant. So, yes, skullduggery all around. Uh, I, I think the thing about, the thing that I always liked about The Fade is... You sort when you've done it, and then you stop record on the DAT. I mean, which obviously you don't do anymore because you don't have a bounce in real time. You you know usually bounce and go and have a cup of tea. That there's a feeling of end. You know, in terms of the process of the mix, it feels like you've ended it. Do you know what I mean? There's that sort of and and that's missing. You don't. There's no closure <laughs> on the mix because you're just going to go bounce to drive. You know, and then then you go and check it out, and make sure it didn't snip anything off the end. But I think, and also the other thing about that is actually getting the resolution of a fade is something that you probably really do need to do in analog, really, don't you? Because I mean, a MIDI fade oh, is bad. Sure, some fades. I mean, what what I use Final Cut Express to do all the video stuff, and when you put like a kind of two second or one second or four second, whatever fade it is, it's such a disgusting curve that it's like nothing, 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 and then everything really quick. You might as well just draw that's a because, line across that's it. That's because it must be doing a linear curve instead of a logarithmic curve, then. It's just because you want because how your ear works is your ear actually works like that. It works like nothing. It works like everything, 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 and then it's loud. So it needs to have a logarithmic curve, which means that it um, it fades out. Oh God, I can't remember. Does it, it fade, fade quickly. Kind of like, quickly. It doesn't slowly. fade out. It doesn't fade out the same amount over the same length of time. It fades out hardly anything at all because your ear hears the changes at higher volume and then it fades the last bit quite quickly and then that gives you the impression that it's faded out linearly over time but your ears don't respond to sound in a linear way. They respond to sound in a logarithmical way. I see. Which is why guitars, in guitars, electric guitars have logarithmic pots for the volume and linear pots for the tone. And if you put a linear pot on the volume... You go, you turn it down, and nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens, and you suddenly get to the last bit, and it goes, whoom, and that's it, gone. So whatever way around that works. Is- ah, okay. HT so in the chat room says, apparently Hawkwind do good fade-outs. I'll have to check them out. Well, I know, I know who they are. Obviously, I, I mean, check the fades out. <laughs> um, I like this. Can I play you this, okay? This is my favourite fade-out of the moment, or my favourite ending of the moment. I think I've got it set in the right place. Sunshine, bring me love, sweet love. Bring me fun, bring me sunshine, bring me love. Did you get that? Yeah, Eric yeah. and Ernie. Yeah, 
that's my my waking up every morning tune. But they they end that with "Bring me sunshine, bring me love," and then they go back round and do another round. <laughs> I can't sing at all. Can I? No, no, that's true. Um, but that—that's an ending, though, isn't it? That's a proper ending, and it fades on the sort of reverb tails off. Eric Borkham going, "Hey!" I absolutely have no idea how to do endings at all. I think that's it. I, I think you know, endings is for people who know how to play musical instruments, and everybody can look at each other and go three, four. And they come up with an ending. How do you do it in a band situation, Dave? You've played with other musicians. I know you have. I've seen it. <laughs> there is proof. What, come up with an ending? Yeah. I'll leave it to the guitarists. They've always, they're always full of shit. I mean, ideas. Doesn't the person with the biggest ego win? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's in any band, isn't it? I mean, that's not just in the ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's and the then, last then, note. <laughs> come on, who's going to end this? <laughs> yeah, especially live. It's like... The drummer. And Chris always has a motto, first one to the end wins, basically. Ah. <laughs> you get to see it when, uh, you actually get to see it at Glastonbury when the band are all really excited and they're doing their big finish, either at the encore or, or the last song before the encore, and they kind of do this massive finish and then it's done and the drummer's doing it and then there's a, and then it just, it's like, no, I want, no. <laughs> Te- techno band ends are good. Sometimes, because they can be kind of anthemic and powerful and whatnot. You'd have to finish on a chord, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, hang on. I think I might have. Yeah, okay, so this is my... Obviously, it's Underworld, because I'm legally obliged to tout in an Underworld track at least once during podcasts. But this is the end. Ready? Come on! Ah, uh, yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't very different to a dun 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 dun. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the Beatles, isn't it? The end of All You Need Is Love, almost. Yes. Does that finish that way? Oh, I don't. I can't remember. Anyway, that's it's been a lot of fun this week. I'm sorry that we couldn't couldn't stream the video. I will hopefully find out if any of my computers are still working by the by the time we get to the next week's episode. Um, then um, then it'll be fine. But other failing that, I'll have to figure out another way of streaming. I have another possibility, but uh, it means I'll have to spend the week building machines. And I've got stuff to do, you know, things to review and stuff. It's not what you need, especially in this heat, sweating over blooming hard drives. Uh, yeah, no, it's all right. Uh, to be honest, uh, it's, actually, um, it's actually not been too bad. This week, the last couple of days have been quite nice, so that's all right. But yes, the video will be available on YouTube, so you can, can you can watch this. In fact, this video is available on YouTube. And uh, I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. Thanks for everybody in the chat and for sticking with us and um, just listening to the audio version only. That means we might get a, a, you know a bit more viewers because they'll come back and want to watch the video maybe, or maybe they like the. They are, the, the a lot of people saying it's like old school. This is the old school version. Just listen to the audio only and don't have to look at my ugly mug and my uh, my video beating shirt, which I didn't realise a tight stripe is a really bad thing to wear on on video. Moire. <laughs> anyway, Dave Spears, uh, G4Software.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, of course, um, 64-bit versions available, did you say? So what's what's out? Can you give okay, it a plug? So Mtron Pro's out, VSM's out. We've done a kind of little soft launch of uh, Imp2. That's out. That's been out since Friday. And then, yes, uh, Mini Monster's the only thing that's kind of holding us up at the minute from 
uh, being able to take a break. And that, that, how irritating is this? This is just a really stupid little standalone bug. That's all it is. Everything else is just all there as far as we're concerned and aware, and it's all been tested beautifully. Anyway, I'll stop ranting now. But yes, that's what we're in. That's mental. I've just got to say, we were talking about Bell BD-80, and Aid has just posted a hey! shot of his Bell BD-80 on our live blog. There's that's an SPX-90, a Bell BD-80. I'm not sure what that is. That's a, a, a space station. Ursa Major space station. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Anyway, thank you. And uh, we'll go over there and say to uh, Mark Tinley, thank you very much for joining us as well. I appreciate that. Very excited by the Ursa Major space station. Well, if you if you want to see more, Aid is uh, currently working on a mix for a band called Spira in his studio in Bristol, and he's posting sort of live based live um, live posts from the blog uh, in our new live blog feature. In fact, this one is called uh, rather beautifully C ninety Mixdown. C ninety. C ninety. So yeah, maybe then I, I wouldn't actually be at all surprised if he mixed down. Is that is that a cassette thing at the top? No, that's a. Um, is it that? That, I don't know, that is one two two. Whoa. Hold on, that is a one two two. You're absolutely right. Maybe he is mixing down to cassette, and the counter is running. Uh, certainly ought to. Fantastic. I never forget the time uh, when uh, I, they worked with Tom Jones, and I was I was sort of doing programming for them at the time, uh, and Paul said that they did a track with Tom Jones, and he did a cover of uh, All Mine, I think it was. Amazing! They did this mix, and they turned out. And I, um, I, they got the. I went over to A's place in Bristol, with Jeff was there as well, and uh, they got the um, the acetate back uh, of the test pressing of how I wanted it to sound. And uh, he said to me, uh, "Yeah." And Jeff goes, "No, it sounds too clean." And he picked it up, he chucked it on the floor, <laughs> uh, which and it had a rattan floor, and he just kind of rubbed it on the floor for a bit. And then Lizzie goes, "Yeah, that's better." And we recorded that into an audio media track up from a we had a technics deck into a, you know some sort of uh, turntable phono preamp into an audio media card which was only phono inputs not balanced and i put that in and i think i did some edits from that and that was the final master jesus fantastic see just goes to show yeah just i bought something off um uh, itunes the other well for, i i have to uh, yeah my mum gave me all her records, and she said, you can have all these records on the condition that you put one of them on CD for me. And I said, okay, great. I can do that. So um, I put this record on, and it's just so knackered that it was skipping and jumping and everything. So in the end, I looked, up, looked it up on iTunes and found that I could buy it on iTunes. But having bought it on iTunes and not being, not being able to restore it as well as I'd hoped... Um, when I play the version that I bought from iTunes, it's almost as bad as the one I was recording. <laughs> it's got like old needle cracks and clicks and pops. Oh, fantastic. And I'm thinking the publisher or the record company didn't have the master anymore. They must have had to have gone to Oxfam and bought the record and then and all spelling mistakes and everything. I was absolutely shocked. Oh, I've well, done that before. Of, I've, I found that. I, I remember the same sort of thing happening to me when um, 
when we had uh, uh, agents and publishers and stuff back in those days, uh, and they'd send me their kind of, this is what I want to do for the showreel, and they'd send the showreel and say, yeah, here we go. And I'd go, oh, can I have a copy of that? And I'd listen, it'd be like, hold on a minute, that's just a recording of the vinyl version of the mix we did. Um, you yeah, could have asked exactly. me, I could have given you the master, but I guess it wouldn't have been mastered, it would have been pre-mastered, so it probably wouldn't have sounded all that good anyway. So, guys, I want to say thank you for joining us. I also want to say thank you to uh, Isotope for their sponsorship of the show, isotope.com forward slash stutter edit for your 10-day free download. And, um, and yes, thank you very much. I'm not sure what Mark was holding up there, but it looked kind of interesting. It was fire. Gina just walked past me with loads of fire. Wow. I thought I heard the, um, the, the sound of a, um, uh, one of those crystal firelighters going. Oh, ignition, yeah. She yeah. Was, she's igniting things. Right. Okay. It's all very exciting here. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. <laughs> Everybody, that was Sonic Talk number two, 323, and uh, that's it for this week. <laughs>